Father. God, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your righteousness. Thank you, my God, for all that you've done. And you're going to do, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Amen. While you're standing, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter number 21, and the book of Galatians, chapter number 4. Praise the Lord. I want to say to these fine brethren, Brother Con, Brother Bell, Brother Warren, Brother Reeves, Brother Nance, uh, how much I appreciate the invitation to come and be with you in this Midwest Bible Conference Convention. And uh, this has been a very, very rich time for me. And um, just to be with all of these good brethren, you find people, and uh, Brother Goudair and Brother McLean, who really are very dear friends of mine and been so good to me. Um, I count an extreme honor and privilege. I uh, sincerely, deeply regret I do have to go in the morning due to a previous engagement uh, for uh, Mother Khan asked me to come to this. and uh, But if it wasn't for that, I assure you I would have stayed here to the last amen because this is right. I've enjoyed everything I've heard, everything I've felt, and I thank God for it. I um, won't say good to see Sister McGuire. God bless you and your children. Had breakfast with your fine husband today and love these folks. They were with us for a while in Rialto and we're glad for the good work that they're doing. Amen. In Atchison. And they're making great sacrifices but seeing great results because of that. And uh, good to be in them. I'm doing a dangerous thing because I'm going to leave somebody out and hurt their feelings, and I don't want to. But uh, my good friends, brother and sister Harrion, uh, probably my wife and I, these are two of our oldest friends since we got married. I'm young, but he's an old man right there. If I could get him to quit dyeing his hair, he'd be all right. Praise God. Yeah, jealousy, jealousy. No, these are great, wonderful people, and they're doing a great work for God in, in uh, Diggins, Missouri, and we love them. And it's good to see Brother Muncie. God bless you, Brother Muncie. Tell Sister Audrey, God bless her. Well, my goodness. Come up here, sis. When they're over 70, you can hug them. Praise God. You got to wait till they get old, but hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor, that good woman for many years, 
I would, uh, it was my place of refuge. I'd go over to their house and nobody knew where I was and there was no phone and her and her dear husband, and they'd talk and I'd sleep. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So we appreciate them very, very, very much. Well, I want to um, bring something to you tonight that I was not uh, planning on going this direction at all, and it wasn't until this afternoon I began to feel some doubts over what I was going to preach, and I always hate that when that starts. And, uh, you know, you keep trying to shrug it off, and and it just grows and grows, and you feel sand going out from underneath you over here, and but you start to feel sand coming in underneath you over here, so you decide you better shift or go out with the waves, praise God. So be that as it may, I want to bring to you what I do feel in my heart tonight. I'm not going to be able to dot every I, cross every T, connect every dot. You're going to have to work out your own checks and balances. Amen. Just don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Praise God. And as Brother McLean so ably said today, some things can be taught. Some things can be caught. You're going to have to catch whatever it is God wants you to catch tonight. It's up between you and the Holy Ghost. However many people are here tonight, that's how many messages I'm going to preach tonight. Because everybody gets their own slant. Verse number 8, speaking of Isaac, and the child grew, Genesis 21, Genesis 21, verse 8, and the child Isaac grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And then in Galatians chapter 4, Going to begin with verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, 
the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. And let's ask that God would help us tonight. Lord Jesus, we ask that your good grace and anointing would flow, God, that you would wing the words, God, by your spirit and take them deep into every heart and soul. Do the work, God, that only you are able to do, that you yearn to do, that you long to do. Give us wisdom, give us knowledge, give us understanding. Touch our spirits, touch our minds. Help us too with meekness. Receive the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. In the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you so very, very, very much. You may be seated tonight. Now, uh, in the text that uh, I took a little while to read, but it doesn't take all that long to read. It really doesn't take all that long to read the whole entire backdrop of the story. But we are dealing specifically in Genesis 21 with the, the party over the weaning of Isaac and the repercussions uh, of events that took place that day that in actuality were a long time coming. First of all, uh, when it came to the practice of weaning, in those days this was pre-bottle era and, and uh, kids got the real McCoy and the weaning process was much longer than what our modern society is familiar with and I'm no baby expert I'm not going to be writing a book anytime soon on baby and child care probably anything else but um, certainly not on how to make your face shine praise God I'll tell you that much um, but I think babies are usually weaned around nine months or so. Is that right? Well, in these days, the weaning process was much longer. And early weaning, considered cruel and abrupt, was if a child was three or four. Most of the time, children were weaned at the age of five, six, 
and sometimes up to the age of eight before they were weaned up to the discretion and the patience of the mother amen and um, this is the reason that we find for example when uh, Hannah weaned once tell you guys really interested in that part right there that was a family seminar in just one session praise God but um, that is the reason, uh, good case in point, when, when Hannah took Samuel to Eli, she weaned him and took him. And she took a talking child to this man. He didn't have time to change diapers. And uh, so she weaned the boy, made a coat for him, not a bib and she took him this is the reason that uh, Moses was able to understand and that right early that he was not an Egyptian because in the process of his mother being paid by Pharaoh's daughter to nurse this child in my mind's eye I can see uh, Pharaoh's daughter coming quite off Egyptian as she was and, and saying is this child weaned yet and, and this woman saying not quite yet not 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 quite yet see we we hebrews we do things uh different and and all the time she's weaning this child she's rocking him amen singing lullabies to the effect of you are not an egyptian you are you are not an egyptian do you understand me i'll sing this every way i can sing it but i'm going to get it into your heart boy you are a hebrew you are not an egyptian there is one god and so that this child by the time he goes to pharaoh's house amen 40 years or 30 some years being in pharaoh's house was not able to get out of him what a nursing mother poured into that boy amen and so now we find that isaac is being weaned and he is, I believe, of age enough in light of these other events and, and the customs to know somewhat what was going on that day. We find the party is in full swing. Now you have to understand that the daddy of this boy, amen, became father to this boy when he was a hundred years of age. And the boy's mother had the child when she was 90. And this is her first child. And she's 90 years old. And we all know what grandparents can do to kids. Hallelujah. And uh, so there is no question, amen, that these doting parents, these doting parents these aged parents that this boy amen at least we're sure to Sarah this boy was the axis of her life and and so now he's being weaned and they throw a big party that kid probably didn't burp but what they had some kind of a party and uh, and so now it's a big bash 
And the fact that this big bash that's going on was not lost on another boy that was around that camp and had a father that happened to be the same father. And his name was Ishmael. And Ishmael at this time was, uh, at the time of the boy's birth, was around uh, 11, 12, 13 years of age. And he's just old enough now at this weaning time that a good set of orneriness has come in him. Uh, based hereditarily, based apparently from scripture, and also based no doubt on environment and feelings that ricocheted off the tent walls around that camp for low many years. And so now he's got a little brother that his kindest name for him probably was Twerp. And uh, he's got a big party because he's being weaned. And, and this doesn't set well with Ishmael. And so the Bible says he began to mock him. Now what all that consists of we're really not sure. It is an interesting word it, uh, in the Hebrew is sekak and uh, it's the exact same word used in the exact same uh, tense as in the 26th chapter the 8th verse when Isaac is grown and Rebekah is in the house of Abimelech and, and Abimelech looks out and he thinks that she is Isaac's sister and the Bible said that he saw Isaac sporting with her and he said, that is not his sister, that's his wife. This sporting. And this mocking here is the exact same word, amen, also intense, that we find in the 26th chapter. And it is believed by many Hebrew scholars that uh, what Isaac was doing was not taunting as much as he was flirting. And in their mind, they teach some that he was actually trying to allure this boy to sodomize him. Now, I don't believe that. The only reason I threw it out is to let you know the bad blood there, because you do understand Hebrew scholars don't care much for Ishmael's descendants. Okay, so the word means playing or teasing or flirting. And I tend to think that Ishmael was mocking and teasing this boy. Now if this, this boy is being weaned at the age that we deal with, all mocking would be lost on him. How can you mock a baby don't even know that you're in existence? So Isaac was old enough that whatever Ishmael was doing, he was aware of it and, and uncomfortable with it and didn't like it. And, and it was probably another case of, why don't you just leave me alone? And it just so happens that Sarah sees it. Maybe she's carrying a tray of hors d'oeuvres. 
and she of camel's eyeballs or something like that and she and she sees this going on and she throws the tray and whatever it was he was doing and whatever it was uh, she saw it caused the wherefore of verse 10 wherefore she goes to Abraham wherefore she says get this boy out of here get his mother out of here he will not be heir he's not going to be around I don't know if she screamed I don't know if she shrill I don't know exactly but all I know is Abraham knew this woman means business this is not a suggestion and and he's very grieved because though he loves Isaac this is his son also Ishmael is his boy and only God was able to alleviate his grief to some extent by saying do what she says in all things hearken to her and send them off I will make him a great nation but in Isaac is going to be my seed my heir now brother Ides Terry makes mention often of an oft-used phrase but he does it in his unique imitable style that simply one thing always leads to another one thing always leads to another one thing is for sure whatever Ishmael did however old Isaac was Ishmael never forgot that day Isaac never forgot that day Isaac's mother never forgot that day Ishmael's mother never forgot that day Ishmael's mother never let Ishmael forget that day and Isaac's mother never let Isaac forget that day and their descendants never forgot that day so don't despise the day of small things because here even all these centuries upon centuries later it is still a great problem in the world we're living in what took place that day well one thing leads to another this day didn't just start there now I I really wish that it was tomorrow and uh, was in the teaching setting all I'm giving you is what I got on my heart to give but in chapter 12 years before this day Abram took Sarah because of drought famine and went into Egypt but one thing always leads to another and while he was there he got a handmaid for Sarah by the name of Hagar but one thing always leads to another and they went back into the land that God had promised to give to his descendants 
and years went by and Sarah who whose husband Abram always told her one of these days God's promised me you're going to give me a child I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be a father and he's going to be uh, a son that's going to be a father of many nations and on and on and, and this goes on year after year after year until finally Sarah is tired she's sick of it amen she knows look you're spent I'm spent the world spent it ain't working and 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 see this handmaid here take Hagar to be a wife and get you a kid and leave me alone so which was also a common practice in that day only instigated at the woman's that's the only thing that was halfway decent about it is that only it could be instigated at the woman's wish and Jacob did it at the instigation of his wives but everywhere you find it in scripture you find trouble deep deep trouble and so here is Hagar and now she's a wife-like creature to the old man Abraham and one day she's a servant one day she's a slave but one day she comes out of the tent and she walks past Sarah with a little smile on her face and she goes to Abram with a bigger smile on her face and says whispering in his ear you're gonna be a father and the old man lights up hey <laughs> and Sarah hears it she sees him now as he's walking around the courtyard he's got new life in him new strength new vitality amen he's 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 uh uh almost said handing out cigars but he wasn't passing out cigars huh? <laughs> he's passing out camel hair robes or something and uh and and the news is out and everybody's happy and everybody likes it and all of a sudden this little egyptian girl takes on a new aura and Sarah, it begins to creep into her cranium. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. And one day she says, Hagar, fetch me some water. And she moves just a little slow. Not to Sarah's liking. And she brings it and she sets it down just a little too hard and she's taken on a new and and all of a sudden as the months go by and the morning sickness is coming on she really feels it and her morning sickness lasts till two or three in the afternoon and uh 
and and she's milking this and 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 a lot of times maybe I don't know we're just this tonight I'm talking okay and and I can see Abraham with worry looks quite often coming out of the tent and he's in there taking her pulse and I know you're gonna be all right. I think so <laughs> I think I I think I hurt my back today how how Sarah had me fetching some water. I'll get somebody else to fetch the water. If you don't mind. One thing always leads to another. And so, it's getting tight around the camp. And one night out of that tent, finally a cry is given. And the old man comes out. And he's grinning from ear to ear. And, and it's yahoo! And, and it's party and they have a big party. And everybody's excited. Because daddy's excited. Except Sarah. And so, the tension is building. Now, as a child, Isaac, or excuse me, Ishmael, no doubt, he feels the doting goodness of his father. And his mother is so good to him, Hagar. But this old lady that hangs around here, I won't tell you, man, she is something else. If I ever in my life got one decent good look out of her, I think... I could feel better about her. And it's one thing to be her little errand boy. But I'm going to tell you, this woman puts me through my paces. And there was an edge there. And there's something about a child that can tell when it's not liked. Which I'm going to give you another family seminar right now. Parents... Don't let your little five-year-olds be snot agates. Go learn what that meaneth. Bring him in line. Don't be cruel, but, but don't let him run amok and be crazy. Because, because what happens is parents say, if I had that kid five minutes, I'd cure him. And this kid can feel this coming from the parents. Because you're not doing their job. Other people want to do your job. And this kid feels this. And therefore friction starts going. And you're going to raise a little monster. And if he's making people miserable when they're five. Just let him go like that and wait till he's 25 and see what he's doing. Amen. Amen. That's about the depth of my family seminars. I don't have family seminars. They create more problems than they're worth. <laughs> but be that as it may. And so this boy's going. Now one day finally, we find Sarah is dealing so hard with Hagar All right. that she can't take it. And she gets this boy by the hand and she flees into the wilderness. She lays him down and, and she begins to weep. And an angel of the Lord comes. And says, Hagar, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she begins to rehearse about, about Sarah and how she treats her. And, and he says, I'm going to tell you, this boy is going to be a wild man. 
Amen. And in the Jewish Publication Society, and I'm not, please, I'm, I'm not being vulgar, but the actual literal translation is, he will be a wild ass of a man. He's going to be like a wild jackass in the wilderness. But I'm going to make him a great nation. And then he says, Hagar, you go back and submit yourself to Sarah. And that was like brine. Ooh. But she does what the angel of the Lord says. And she comes back to the camp and says, what do you want me to do next? And so it goes on. Now this boy is sensing this. And, and you can tell as a kid if you're loved. You can tell when you're at the dinner table, amen, if you're accepted. You can tell if you're just, amen, being suffered or stomached or endured or tolerated. Amen. And this boy is not oblivious to the tension in this camp. And so now years are going by and, and now that, that old woman, she's she putting on a lot of weight. She sure seems to be smiling. She don't smile at me, but boy, she's smiling at everybody else. And I seen her whispering in my daddy's ear. And I don't know when I've seen him so happy. Man, he's just like a school kid. And I went up and tried to get his attention. And he said, not now, son, not now. I don't know what's going on here between them. But I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. And then one night there's a cry out of her tent. And I don't know what it is, but my mama sure don't seem happy much anymore. She sure seems forlorn and Mama, why are you so sad? And she just hugs me and says It doesn't matter It'll be alright I don't know what the deal is but This new little twerk come into the camp And now my daddy don't hardly know I'm alive Every now and then I'll get a pat on the head but it's like his whole world revolves around that twerp. And my mother's lot seems harder than ever. And it looks to me like that old woman's getting younger all the time. Boy, she's sure happy about all this. And the years come. And now, what's he doing? He's finally being weaned, and they're throwing a big shindig. And he's had it. And there's the little guy. <laughs> Mama boy gonna get off the baba. <laughs> 
his mama and all of a sudden he feels a hand on his shoulder and he wheels around and he's in the face of that crazy old lady and she is absolutely livid and she throws him to the ground she takes her little darling and she marches off to Abraham and, and I don't know what it, and then and here comes Hagar and what did you do what did you do I was just playing with him mama I didn't mean to do it and, and, and then and then he hears a shrill scream coming out of the tent and a very pale looks like he's aged 20 years old man comes out of the tent and the party's quiet and everybody's starting to make their way and that was the day my mama got her walking papers and we were put out if I ever saw my dad it was from a distance or when he'd leave the camp and find where I was but the visits became less and less as the years went by and this boy became a wild man and his hand was turned against every man now in life one event can take place in the lives of two men or more and the one single same event can serve two or more entirely different purposes and take on entirely different meanings and hues and colors. And as far as the participants involved, their actions and reactions, they will say it stemmed from entirely different causes based on their viewpoint. Now, if you'd have taken the microphone and given Sarah an interview and said, why did you throw that woman and that boy out? Her answer would have been to protect my son from the influence of that little heathen. If you'd have asked Hagar, why did Sarah throw you out? She would say, because from the day she concocted the idea for me, amen, to be Abram's wife, amen, she's been nothing but a victim, jealous witch. If you'd ask Ishmael, what happened to Ishmael? He would say, Sarah's thoughts about Isaac's well-being is nothing but a pretext. The chief cause, she's hated my mother from day one. And if you'd ask Isaac, what happened, Isaac? He would say, my mother's hatred seemed real enough, but it was only a pretext. The real cause was that she loved me so much and desired my well-being so much. She was forced to take these drastic steps. Proving Proverbs 21 and 2, every way of man is right in his own eyes. Depending from whence 
he cometh. Now there's two things I learned from this so far. Number one, thank God I wasn't those women's pastor. <sighs> Man, thank God I didn't have to get in on that deal. And number two, the easiest thing in life to get is misunderstandings. It's the easiest thing in life to get, depending on your viewpoint. I collect little deals like this. One, there was a man that got on a passenger train in the early part of this century back east and uh, he had two little kids and he sat down and he was oblivious to these kids they were running up and down screaming and yelling and going crazy and, and, it's, and it's like he was just in a daze and he didn't even know these kids existed and, and they were making everybody on the train miserable and or in that passenger car and, and there was a man across the way trying to read the paper and the kids would bump him, bump the paper and, and run in and out and he'd have to move his legs and finally he put down the paper he leaned across, he said sir could you get your kids in line they're making everybody miserable and, and, and the man came too he said I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm, I'm sorry and he got his kids and he said sit by me let me hold you he said we're, we're, we're headed home we're coming from the hospital and their mama just died and uh, I guess it's a way of handling it I'm sorry and when the man heard that it put it in a whole new hue I read in the book of 2 Samuel 10 how that Amen, uh, Amon, or Nahash, the king of Ammon, Nahash, died and he'd been good to David. And so, so David sent messengers to his son Hanan and to comfort him and to show him goodwill from the king. And, and so the advisors of Hanan said, do you really think David's servants are here to do you honor? Do you think they loved your father? He's come. These are spies. They're checking out our strong points and our wing points. And they're just getting ready to invade us. So he, he sees it clearly now. And he takes those men and he shaves half their beard and cuts hey man, their, their clothing off till they look like fools. And he sends them down the road. And they send David a message. He said, we can't come home. We look like fools. And he said, well, stay there till you don't look like fools. And then when you, when you then come back. And, and then the Bible says when, when Nahash understood that he was abhorred in the eyes of David, he hired the Syrians to come. And, and now David's mad. And, and a long story short, before it's over, the blood of 40,700 men is on the ground and they're in the graves because of misunderstanding. It's the easiest thing in life to get. But back to Sarah and Hagar for a brief moment. And I want to tell you what I want to preach about. <laughs> on the side of the humanity 
you see Hagar's arrogance because she's going to be mama and one day she's a slave and the next day she's mother to the Arab so you see Hagar's arrogance in her humanity and then in the humanity of Sarah you see vindictive jealousy and one thing led to another to another to another but then God says do what she says Abraham and in Galatians the fourth chapter you see God's side of the matter in the midst of all that mess God said I'm still God and I've got a divine plan and what's coming out of this is a type amen of two covenants of law and grace and it's the strongest backbone drop of the New Testament covenant that we have amen when we compare law to grace and so what we see and this is what I want to preach about for a little bit is is human frailty but a divine plan I'm glad God is still God in spite of the fact that we are oh so human. I'm glad that God can bring good out of bad situations. I'm glad that God's smart enough and big enough and good enough and neat enough, hallelujah, that he can look down, hallelujah, and say, brother, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my will. I've got a plan in motion and it's going to be brought to pass sometimes if we're not careful we get so embedded into the forest all we can see is the trees and we can't see the beauty of the landscape there's a God that's above all there's a God that sees all that says my thoughts are not like your thoughts and your thoughts are not like my thoughts and your ways are not like my ways and high as the heavens are above the earth are my ways and my thoughts above your ways and your thoughts they had human frailties, but God had a divine plan. There is nobody that can bring good out of bad situation like God. And because of that, we need to lift our hands right now and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for being God. Thank you for being God in spite of us. Thank you for being God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thankful for your wisdom. Hallelujah. Human frailties but a divine plan. If you would have asked Joseph's brothers, tell us about that boy you used to have. They would have said, he is a spoiled brat. He was pandered to. He was Dada's favorite. He was Rachel's darling little baby boy. Furthermore, he was a dreaming braggart, and thank God and Greyhound, he's gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you'd have asked Joseph, tell us about your brothers, he'd have said they are spiteful. 
they are hateful they are envious they are treacherous and they are murderous you don't see greater deeper human frailty amen than what you see in that family hallelujah but years later years later when they're all in the land of Goshen years later when they've all made it through the famine years later when they're in the nation that God said they were going to be for 400 years to great grandpa Abraham years later amen where their God is moving and blessing and making them into a great and powerful people daddy died Jacob's dead and now they come to Joseph and they said Joseph now look dad's dead and we know that you're going to hang us now and, and but read verse 20 of Genesis 50 but as for you here's what Joseph said as for you you thought it evil against me but God but God meant it for good God God meant it for good. You thought evil against me, but you had human frailty. But there was a divine plan that was bigger than you and bigger than our problems and bigger than our situation. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'm telling you, we better get out of bed every day and say, thank God he's got a plan. Thank God he's got a way. Thank God he can make the best out of bad situations. You say, how does he do it? I don't know how he does it. But we all better be thankful because everybody here, especially me, was a bad situation that God had a divine plan and said I'll get some good out of it hallelujah hallelujah Pharaoh you may really think you're something and Moses you may think I am nothing but it don't matter how high Pharaoh thinks of himself or how low Moses thinks of himself God had a divine plan and before it's over the whole world's going to see what my plan was in getting my people out of Egypt hallelujah first samuel one panina i don't care how many kids how many sons and daughters you got you may be so happy amen and hannah you may not have any kids and you may feel so rotten and you may be going to the to the tabernacle and praying and crying and groaning until the priest thinks you're a drunkard and I know there's human frailty. And I know Panina is your adversary. But one day, that woman, out of the midst of her problem, out of the midst of her situation, she said, God, if you'll give me a man child, I'll give him back to you. God said, that's what I wanted to hear. There's human frailty here. But I've got a divine plan. This nation needs a prophet. Hallelujah. And now I'm going to give you Samuel. And when you wean that boy, you bring him to the tabernacle. And you're going to a man by the name of Eli. And if you ever saw human frailty, it was in Eli and in his rotten boys. But it doesn't matter because God is still God. And I've got a divine plan. And I'm going to raise up Samuel. And he's going to be my prophet. Hallelujah. 
human frailties, but a divine plan. King Saul, you may be the commander-in-chief. You may be the king. You may hate David. You may think that boy is out to usurp my throne. And Joab and Abishai, you may look at David and say, I wish this, this spineless outfit would take the bull by the horns and kill Saul and get this charade over with. Amen. And Abner, you maybe is the captain of the host. Think you've got to keep King Saul stirred up and on edge, lest he and David get reconciled and you lose your job as the new captain of the host. And Michael, you may look, amen, at, at David and think he is an obscene, silly fool, amen, for dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And Eliab, his older brother, from your angle, you may say that, David, I know the pride and the naughtiness of your heart. And all you're looking for is to come down and watch a good fight. And Jesse, you may think, amen, that your son is not good enough to invite to the family parties. And Shimei, from your angle, you may throw rocks and dust in the air and say he's a bloody man that was a murderer of the house of Saul and Absalom from your angle you may say my daddy is an old fuddy daddy amen and I'd be better king than him but it doesn't matter what anybody thinks there's a divine plan on God's man and God's going to do his thing and God's going to do his will and God's going to bring all his counsel to pass and as for your human frailty, I'll use it to mold that man. I'll use it to make that man. I'll use it to lead that man. I'll use it to guide that man. So that when he's on the throne, it will be seen. In spite of all the human frailty, I have a divine plan. Judas I don't know what's wrong with Jesus why doesn't he just let him make him king why does he keep us in this guessing game Herod you may think he's just a new magician come to town Annas Caiaphas you may think he's just a, a fraud and a charlatan Pilate you may think he's a good man, but slightly deluded. It don't matter what anybody thinks. I've got a divine plan of the ceaseless ages, and I'll use every last one of you for my own purposes to see it brought to pass and be my salvation to the ends of the earth. I don't understand all that I'm even saying. All I'm telling you is that God's in control. God's in control. God's in control. The main thing we've got to concern ourselves with is God. Are you in control of my life? Are you in control of my heart? Are you in control of my mind? Are you? I don't want to use you. Have you used me in spite of me? I want to be used because I yield to you. Because I submit to you. Because I love you. We're all going to be part of the divine plan one way or the other. But I want, I want, hallelujah, to be used right.
Amen. John Mark, you may have thought that it was a good idea to leave the work at Pamphylia and go back from the missionary journey. But now, Paul, that you want to go back on the mission field, doesn't want to take you back. And Barnabas, you may say, hey, that's my nephew. And I think it is good that he goes back. And the Bible says that the dissension between Barnabas and Paul was so great that the greatest missionary duo we find in the Word of God split asunder. And Paul took Silas and Barnabas took Mark. Well, who's right in all this? Somebody's got to be right. Somebody's got to be wrong. I'm here to tell you the only one that's got it all together is God. I know this. Come here, son. Can you imagine? This is John Mark. And that's Paul. And I'm Barnabas. And I mean, we are hooking it up over this. <laughs> I say he's good enough. Ah, he ain't good enough. Yeah, he is. Oh, he's a wimp. And here's John Mark. Feeling like chopped liver. And the dissension grew so great. Right. Finally, Barnabas said, come on. Let me go their way. Now, don't you ever, John Mark, the sting of Paul. Probably called him Salty Paul. And I can see him and his Uncle Barnabas going down the road. The Bible says Barnabas is a good man. He's a son of consolation. Paul wouldn't even have been where he was. If it wasn't for Barnabas taking him under his wing. Now he's got somebody that Paul's just beaten on to death. Right. Uncle Barney. Do you think Paul will ever forgive me? Let me tell you, Mark. Paul's a good man. He's got a temper. But he's a good guy. He loves this gospel. 
I wouldn't be surprised if someday Paul lays there in his life for this gospel. You've got to understand his zeal. You've got to understand where he came from. You've got to understand his world. He gave up everything for this gospel and counseled but done. So he couldn't hardly understand you going back, you know. Because he turned his back on everything. And counted it all. But lost that he could win Christ. So in light of that, he's he was just a little short. He couldn't understand what you did. But I know you got a good heart, son. You're going to be all right. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. And time went on. And we don't know the details. But somewhere, someplace, somehow, they'd met before because when Simon Peter was in jail and they were praying for his release, they were praying in the house of John Mark's mother. So somewhere they met, Simon Peter said, Don't I know you? He said, I'm John Mark. Hey, how's your mama? Oh, she's fine. I'm going to tell you, man, I know you know the story about them praying me out of prison. I was there, Simon. Were you really? I was just a little boy, but I never forgot. And they finally opened that door and you come walking in the room. He said, Son, Peter, you've been my hero all these years. Ah, son. How you been doing lately? Okay. And they became close to the point. He became to Simon Peter what Timotheus came to Paul. Paul said, Timothy's my son in the gospel. And Simon said, I'm going to tell you, Mark's my boy. That's my boy. Don't worry, we can see a chiropractor tomorrow. Praise God. <laughs> and uh, through the days and the months, he said, uh, I heard you and Paul had a falling out. Did you hear about that? Everybody's heard about that. Wow. How'd you take it? I don't know if I could have made it without Barnabas. I know what he said, and I'm trying to understand where he's coming from. And I know he's a good man. But man, it hurt deep. If it wasn't for Barnabas taking me under his wing, I don't know if I could have made it. Yeah, Paul can be pretty salty. Did I ever tell you what happened to me with Paul? What's that? Well, I went down to Antioch. And I was down there, mixing and mingling with the church 
the Jews, see, don't mix and mingle too well with these Gentiles. But there I was. And I got to liking them. My spirit had kindred with their spirit. And I was having a good time. I even had a ham sandwich. <laughs> And said, I was about to take another good bite. And I looked up, and here come James and them from Jerusalem. And uh, I went to greet them, and uh, I just kind of stayed away from them people, you know. And said, Here come Paul storming out of the crowd in front of God and everybody. He rebuked me to my face. He said, hey, Simon, if you're going to come down here and live like a Gentile, why do you expect them to live like a Jew? You're not walking uprightly according to the gospel. I feel it. So, he said, we all been there with Paul. But I'm going to tell you something. It did something to me. And he's my beloved brother. His writings are sometimes hard to understand. But it's his insight. It's deep. But I believe God's using him and what he's given us is Scripture. You see, sometimes it takes different men and different ministries and different outlooks and different bumps and bruises. And I found that God really doesn't care all that much what happens to us. He really doesn't. He's far more interested in how we handle what happens to us because He's made a way of escape and he won't put more on us than we can bear. And problems we're going through are being accomplished in our brethren throughout the whole world. So he's mainly just interested in what we're going to do with what happens. And I'm going to tell you, son, we're all human. But there's a divine plan in all this. In fact, if you think Paul is tough, you should have been with me when I walked with Jesus. Let's stand tonight. He said, man, it seemed like I couldn't do nothing right. Every time I stuck my head up, he bucked me. He said, I remember one time, I mean, I, I, he'd ask them other guys who he was, and they were coming up with Jeremiah and Elijah, man, it hit me. I saw him like I'd never seen him before. I said, thou art the Christ of God. And he, he said, blessed are you. Flesh and blood didn't give you that. You got that from the Spirit. He says, you think I didn't feel good? He says, so a few days later, he began to speak of his decease. And they were going to take him and 
crucified. And I would I said, Far be it from thee, Lord. It'll never happen. And in front of James and John and all these guys, we've been having a fuss who was to be the best. And all of a sudden he looks at me and says, Get thee behind me, Satan! You're an offense unto me. You don't savor the things of God. You savor the things of men. And he turned his back. You thought Paul was tough. I felt like toast. I could have walked under this carpet with a top hat on, never made a ripple. I was a slow learner. Yes, sir. Took me up to the top of the mount. Right. And all I wanted to do was build three tabernacles. One for Elijah, one for Moses, and throw one in for him. And he said, then the Spirit rebuked me. Voice of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Hear him. I didn't say another word all the way down the mountain. He said, then at the Last Supper, we were having a strife who would be the greatest. I didn't understand it all, but I knew I had the keys to the kingdom. I didn't know what they were, but I had them. And I was telling these guys what was going to happen. And then in front of those guys, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And I've prayed for you, not that you get out of that, I pray that your faith doesn't fail. And Simon, one of these days when you get converted, help these other guys out. Converted? What do you mean converted? I'm ready to go to prison. I'll die with you. He all but laughed. He said, ah, the rooster ain't going to crow for you deny me three times. <gasps> then I tried to deliver him in the garden. I cut off the man's ear. And he rebuked me again. But I still followed him. You know, far off. I was warming myself around the fire. the lowest point of my life. Two times they'd accuse me of being a... You won't think less of me if I tell you my story, will you? Finally, the third time, they said you were with him. You're a Galilean. Your speech betrays you. And out of my fearful heart, my foul mouth, I begin to curse. I begin to blaspheme. And I begin to deny. I don't even know him. And nobody was even looking at me. They weren't even paying any attention to me. They were all looking up over my head. And as I started to turn, I heard a rooster crowing. 
and I turned and looked in his eyes and he was looking at me and the rooster's crow was in my ears but he didn't rebuke me he looked at me with compassion and I went out and wept as bitterly as I've ever wept in my life So John Mark, don't feel bad. I know all about human frailty. Yes, but in spite of that, there was a divine plan. And he regathered me. And he helped me. And he strengthened me. And between Paul drilling him and Barnabas loving him and Simon Peter befriending and fathering him in the gospel those three men with all of their frailties God used them for a divine plan because God said in this boy that's going to turn back from Pamphylia and is going to go through hell and high water. I've got a gospel in him and I'm going to bring it out of him and feed my people throughout the world. It's human frailty but I got a divine plan. And it's in the book of Mark that we see more of Simon Peter's failings than any of the other books put together. Because Simon gave him the inside story about his human frailty. I don't understand all I know. But I know God's God. And God knows them that love Him with all of our problems. And I'm closing with this. It is just legend. It's apocryphal. It's a story. The disciples with 500 others watched Jesus arise from the seashore and ascend up into the clouds to see him no more on that wire. Two angels stood behind them and said, Why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus which is taken up is going to come in like manner. You better get to Jerusalem and get to doing what he told you to do. So we hightailed it out. But the story is, when Jesus went into the clouds, angels were there to meet him. The legend, the story. They said, is that it? That's it. You mean through all these ages 
and all you wrought and all you did with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Mary, you just, you mean you're giving this into the hands of those 12 men? with all of their faults and all of their failures and all of their idiosyncrasies and all of their hang-ups and all of their foolishnesses and all of their second-guessings and their personal outlooks and views. You're giving all of this into their hands? What if they fail? And according to the legend, his answer was, I have no other plan. And brethren, he has no other plan. It's us or nothing. And I don't mean just this room. I mean in this world. It's God's people. It's God's ministry. He has no other plan. And that's why Romans and we know and we better know we better get an understanding it better sink down into our hearts it better be something more than we wish for on a good day brother I'm going to tell you we know that all things that some things you know all things well if it's people we like all things things work together work together for the good for the good to them that love God to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. to them that are called according to his plan his purpose his plan if you're called according to his plan, his purpose, human frailties. But thank God there's a divine plan in the midst of all of this. Let's lift our hands in love. Go ahead, let's love him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. However many people are here tonight, that's how many messages I've preached tonight. Because we've all got our own circumstance. We've all got our own situation. We've all got our own point of view. We've all got our own human frailties. But God is able to take a sincere heart and weave us into the fabric of the kingdom of God. And when it's all said and done, though we don't understand and we see in part and we know in part and we look at best through a glass darkly, there's a great God that loves us, that uses us, that works with us and molds us. 
And as Brother McLean said today, if we'll just submit to him, let him do what he seemeth good, he's going to use us in his kingdom. Hallelujah. How many people here tonight have human frailties? Raise your hand. How many would like to bring all of your human frailties to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, such as I am, here I am. Mold, make, change, lead, guide, use. But God, weave me into your plan. Change anything and everything about me needs change. Teach me. But, oh, God, keep me in this thing and let me see your glory. If that is beating in any heart tonight, could we come? You can stand. You can kneel. That's, that's up to you. But just present yourself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. That you may know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And in your ministry, you can wait on your ministry. If it's giving, you can give with simplicity. If it's exhortation, you can do it. Come on, brother. Whatever it is, come on, sister. Wherever it lies. God, I've got human frailties, but you've got a divine plan in my life. Have your way. Lean God mold and Every victory, there's a battle to fight. For every sunrise, one must live through the night. And before the grave burst open, on that resurrection morn, there's a hill to be climbed and a cross to be born.
sails were torn, my little boat tossed up the sleeve sea. And how else could I have learned that he'd rescue one like me? Lead me, Lord. 